Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Rosie Waterland. This is Mum Says My Memoir Is a Lie. You will get caught masturbating while watching Rugrats. <laughs> oh, your face. All right. My mum may have loved wine and she may have disappeared from time to time when she felt like her kids were unfairly preventing her from drinking wine, but she also had some golden moments where she managed to pull off some spectacular parenting. One of those moments, perhaps even the top moment, was the way she delicately handled my not-so-delicate habit of humping my mattress until I climaxed. I was eight years old and I was obsessed with my clitoris. I don't even remember the first time I figured out how to orgasm. I didn't even know what an orgasm was. All I knew is that at some point, I figured out that if I rubbed my fanny hard enough, I could make something special happen down there. So it became known as my special place. I do remember being about five and getting out of bed in the middle of the night to put on undies so I would have better friction with my mattress. So I know I started young. I'd had my own room at Smurf Village, and with that kind of privacy, I managed to squeeze three or four special place sessions in each night. I'm surprised I slept at all. One night, after a particularly good special place explosion, I lay in my bed, staring thoughtfully out the window, knowing that I had just discovered the exact job I wanted when I grew up. I wanted to get paid to have special place explosions all day long. <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> such a job existed or that my mum had first-hand experience of it, but I couldn't imagine a life where I didn't touch my fanny at least three times a day. Side note, this also set me up for a massive amount of disappointment when I first started having sex. After watching many sex scenes in many movies and after 17 years of getting myself off on cue, I was under the assumption that I would have a special place explosion every time a penis entered my vagina. How wrong I was. Things had been good at Smurf Village. I'd privately built up a lot of experience and felt that I had my technique down to a fine art. I could get the urge and be done within half an hour. Oh, God, that seems really long now. <laughs> God, I was committed. Then mum married Joe the removalist and we moved into our fancy private rental in which I had to share a bedroom with Rhiannon. This made things particularly difficult for me, since touching my special place was definitely a bedroom activity. If I'd asked for time alone in our room, Rhiannon would have immediately sensed something was up and set about torturing me until I revealed my secret. I thought about stopping, just giving up cold turkey, but after a few days without a special place explosion, I was just about ready to drop my pants and hump the first leg that walked past me. I realized that if I was going to continue functioning as a useful eight-year-old member of society, I was going to have to come up with a way to make this work. Humping my mattress was priority one. I was both militant and organized in my approach. It took careful scheduling and a very particular set of working conditions before I was able to narrow down the perfect time to pencil in a standing appointment with my special place. It couldn't be at night, obviously, because my sister slept on the bottom bunk and the possibility of her thinking I'd been possessed was too high. It had to be in my bed because the only way I could make it happen was when I was face planted on my mattress and I needed about half an hour. It was hit and miss, but generally if I worked hard enough for that amount of time, I could get positive results. So all variables considered, I concluded that the only opportunity for some me time was after school in my room while I was watching Rugrats. 
As Rhiannon was now 11 and had continued to widen the cool gap between us with every passing year, we did not often agree on the same television shows. And at 4pm on weekday afternoons, there was a clash in our preferred viewing schedules. She wanted to watch Degrassi Junior High, which was on at the same time as my choice, Rugrats. I didn't understand Degrassi, with all those denim jackets and lockers and velvet scrunchies. All the kids on that show looked like Rhiannon, and she watched it like she knew it was about her people and not mine. It was perfect. I put up a bit of a fight at first just to throw her off the scent, but after 10 minutes of nagging each other, I kindly offered, out of the goodness of my generous and horny heart, to watch Rugrats in my bedroom so that Rhiannon could watch her show on the good TV in the living room. And so it began. Each day at 4pm, I would watch Rugrats in the bedroom, with the door closed, in my bed, under the covers. Never mind that my head faced the opposite direction of the television and that sometimes I was in such a rush to get things started I completely forgot to turn it on. But this was my alone time and it didn't look like I was ever going to get caught so after a few weeks I relaxed into a routine. Once I was done, I'd take a breath, wipe my brow and leave the bedroom, sufficiently flushed and ready to join my sister in the living room for Clarissa Explains It All. It was the perfect crime until it wasn't. One afternoon, I skipped into the bedroom for my daily appointment. I closed the door, switched on the TV and swung up onto the top bunk with anticipation. Lying on my stomach? Check. Covers all the way up to my head? Check. Is the coast clear? Check. Wait a second, I was already off and running. Bless my eager little heart. I'd been going at it for about 10 minutes and it was a particularly tough appointment that day, so I was panting and I was sweaty. The mattress also had a pretty aggressive bounce happening. In my frustration at the lack of progress, I thought it would be best to change positions. Under immense pressure and in a very time-sensitive situation, I decided to shift my body to face the door instead of the wall, which sometimes worked when I wasn't getting results. I didn't want to take my hands off my special place though, so I would need to turn my whole body around without using my arms. It took me about three almost flips. It's not easy lifting and turning your entire body when your arms are clamped down on your vagina but I managed it on the final swing, all without losing any rhythm. And it was just as my face was about to land back down on the bed, my body heaving around like a mental person in a straitjacket, that I locked eyes with my mum and sister, both standing in the doorway, mouths agape. The mattress slowly came to a halt. I froze, like an animal that knows it can't outrun the lion, but if it just keeps still... The sound of rugrats combined with my slowly diminishing panting was all that filled the room. My mother gave me one final pitiful look and began to drag my sister away, closing the door behind her. But mom, what's wrong with her? What is she doing? I'm not even kidding when I say this. I then proceeded to finish what I had started. I was mortified, obviously, but it certainly wasn't worth not getting the special feeling. Nothing was worth that. When I came out of my room 20 minutes later, I was expecting the worst. To Rhiannon, this had to be heaven. I was officially the massive loser she had always insisted I was. I humped mattresses. I was a freak. There would certainly be some kind of humiliating punishment she had decided I would have to endure for the rest of my natural life. I knew it would at least have something to do with being called mattress humper and the story being told at every birthday party I ever threw until I was 90. I was equally worried about the reaction from my mum, was she warming up the car right now, waiting to take me straight to the nearest medical professional to be diagnosed with fanny addiction? Would she take me on a current affair and beg the nation to help with her middle daughter's embarrassing problem? 
I could picture it clearly, me, ashamed, huddled next to her on the couch as she cries and blames herself, saying that she should have known, she should have done something the first time she thought my fingers smelled fishy. I braced myself for the new shameful life I was about to enter and walked into the living room. And nothing. It was business as usual. Mum was feeding Taylor in her high chair and Rhiannon was watching TV. Neither of them said anything to me as I came and sat down between them on the couch. I kept waiting for the humiliating bomb to drop, but it never did. To my shock and cautious confusion, Rhiannon kept her mouth shut. She couldn't look me in the eye, but she kept her mouth shut. Something had happened. Some agreement had been made before I walked into the living room. If you can tell when people have just been talking about you, then you can definitely tell when they've just been talking about you and your vagina. My mother had somehow negotiated a vow of masturbatory silence, and I don't think I'd ever loved her more than I did in that moment. The incident was never spoken of again, by her or Rhiannon, and she discreetly made sure I had the bedroom to myself at 4pm on weekdays from that point on. In fact, aside from warning me to always wipe from front to back and to scrub it properly in the shower, she pretty much left me to my own devices when it came to my special place. She didn't make me feel ashamed and didn't embarrass me with a talk about my body. She just let me figure things out for myself in a healthy, private way, which I did many, many times. I don't think I actually saw one episode of Rugrats that year, but thanks to mum, I certainly took care of business. You were laughing a lot during that, mum. Yes, I was. You laughing at my secret shame. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know what to say. You look so uncomfortable. I am. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit of a prude and I didn't even realise. But you handled it really well at the time. Yeah. Or did you just handle it well because you were so uncomfortable and you just didn't want to deal with it? <laughs> yeah, I think you actually put your finger on it there perfectly. <laughs> I mean, more than you. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, I think I prefer just to pretend it never even happened and I never even saw it, you know. So, Mum, when you left the room and then I stayed in there for a while and, and finished up and then I came out later. I'll tell you the truth. I just think we looked at each other and that was it. So you didn't. It was just a look and Rihanna knew, don't talk about this. So you didn't say anything to Rihanna, no. like Rosie's having a fit or something? No, you just... not that I recall. We just looked at each other. But how did Rihanna know what it was? Maybe she was doing it well, as well. well. Quite possibly. Maybe she was just more disguised. <laughs> I'd say most probably. I'm so well, shocked that she didn't say anything because she, I thought she was going to use it to torture me. <laughs> but when I came out of my room, you were both just sitting there in awkward silence and then I came and quietly sat down as well and then... Nobody ever said anything again. Mm. You should ask ask Rhiannon. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Well, that's funny because I had that in my book as like this amazing parenting win that you had, but really it was just you trying to avoid an well, awkward moment. No, I also it. think it's like <laughs> it wasn't necessary to make a big thing out of it. Mm. It's a perfectly natural thing and just like... You know. If it's a perfectly natural thing, why do you seem so uncomfortable now? Because it's a private thing. Right. <laughs> That's okay. why. That's fair enough. Natural but private. Natural but private. Yes. <laughs> well, because yeah. I was doing it from when I was quite young. Well, because I remember doing it at Smurf Village. 
I don't yeah. remember how I figured it out, though. I honestly have no memory of figuring it out. Right. It's like I was just always doing it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do it when you were little? I don't think that's got anything to do with me. You're the one who wrote the book. I'm just wondering. <laughs> because when I tell this story to people, and there's a little bit about it in my last stand-up show, some people are really shocked and they can't believe that I did it so young. And other people are like, yeah, and? like, Yeah, it is. Who didn't? Yeah, I think it is pretty young. I don't think it is, though. Yeah, it is pretty There's young. that episode of House where um, a toddler is doing it. Because it's not sexual. It's just like, <sighs> feels nice. Like, you don't know it's a sexual thing. Mm. It's just like a, a nice feeling thing. Mm. <laughs> Stop being so awkward. You, this is the quietest you've ever been on any of these chapters. I know. <laughs> Did you ever catch Rhiannon? No. Did you ever catch Taylor or Isabella? No. So just me. Yes. I was the only little hornbag. Precocious. Really, though? I did it in private as much as I could. Yeah, I know. It was disappointing later. I bet it was. Because I thought that just happened, like, all the time. <laughs> I thought that's what sex was. And then I had sex and I was waiting for that to happen. I was waiting for a special place explosion and it doesn't happen. Mm. No. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to. No, no. When did you have I'm your first orgasm? When did you have your first orgasm, Mum? Oh, God, you can't ask your mother things like Why that. Why not? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> don't you remember? Yes. Okay, just tell me. For God's sake, I don't think this is right. <laughs> Most people don't want to have. No, you know what it's like. Most people don't want to have any. Don't want to have anything to do with their parents and like. Talking about sex, you know that that's how things are. Well, we never. People go, ooh, ooh, you know? Well, I don't know. We're that's pretty how, open family. Like, I sit on the toilet while you're in the shower. But in the past, I've mentioned sex, and you girls have gone, ooh, including you, Rosanna. When? I might add. I don't remember. Very recently. When? No. I'm not going to pinpoint it, but you know that that's true. I don't think that's true. Well, it is because you were one of the ones who went, ooh. What were you talking about? Sex. Repeat the story right sex now. With, um, sex with Rick, for instance, in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> no. Your current partner. Mention. Yeah. Or with Phil, mentioned. Well, look, I just think it's really sad. A lot of girls don't orgasm very often. Some girls have never orgasmed. I know girls my age who have never orgasmed. Yeah, I know. It's, that's a tragedy, that. Isn't it just? Yes, I, I really And I feel is. really lucky that I just figured it out by accident. Well, it's something you've got to do yourself and, and you know, muck around with yourself. You can't it, yeah, expect someone else to do it for you. Maybe I'm like an orgasm savant. I mean, how was I doing it from when I was five? I was like a prodigy. Mm. Don't you think? No, not really. Why children, not? Children, you know, have that side to them sometimes. Sometimes. Well, young children. Well, that's pretty young, isn't it? Is it? I think. I don't know. I believe so. <laughs> this conversation's like pulling teeth. You really don't want to talk about this. <laughs> no, I don't really. I, 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 I've discussed it. We always talked about stuff, not like sex stuff, but I never felt like uncomfortable mentioning it or anything. When yeah. I got older. I don't know. I've, my mother really, like, pushed on the set 
sex education to me. Not like, a mill. Like, yeah, too much. It, like, totally put me off. It made me feel really uncomfortable. What do you mean? Because, because basically I, I wasn't ready for it, you know, and she used to tell me all the time. And this is when I was about 10, which is a lot older than what you are when you had this experience. Well, I was eight just, when you it just It me. just totally made me feel really uncomfortable. What did she and tell you? And I don't know, you? I think... I thought she was really prudish and she would never have talked no. to you about that. No, she was talking about, um, you know, when when I would start my period. But she was telling me when I was about 10. And I didn't... My period didn't start for two and a half years. So I reckon that she ruined my childhood by telling me about it. Well, yeah, because you're panicking. <laughs> so then I'm thinking, oh, my God. And I was just a tomboy. Yeah. Used to hang around with a gang of boys, you know. People? Riding my drag star, purple it was too, around the streets and like I didn't want to hear about it and she just kept on talking about it and I didn't want to hear about it. Purple drag star. Yeah, it was, and it even had glitter on it and everything and a basket. That's so 70s. <laughs> well, it was in the 70s, Rosie. I know. <laughs> What did she tell you about your period? Was it one of those well, things this that, was like, going to happen and, you know. Like, you know, this. when you see in movies set in the 60s and the 70s and it's like, you have a special flower and a man's going to come with no, his watering she, no, can. No, she didn't do it like that. No, did she just tell you straight it's up? It's very matter of fact. Blood's right. about to start gushing out of your fanny Yeah, at and some also, point. like, I did have, like, two young brothers and they just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I can't imagine so having brothers. It was, it was very uncomfortable, actually. Because we were just so, all girls all the time, or except for whatever boyfriend you yeah. had. So I think that made me a bit more wary about, like, telling you the, the facts of life. And I knew that they had quite good educational programs um, in place at school. Yeah, you left all it that to school. Kind of you stuff. didn't tell us so, shit. Yeah, you well, that's, you yeah. left that book. You did everything with books. First you left A Baby Is Born just on no, the table. No, I was... Which... Fucking traumatized me, by the way. A oh, baby is born. I didn't buy it no. specifically for you. No, I know, but the photos in that literally have heads like halfway out of vaginas. Like, and I was like five or whatever. You weren't I think five, Rosie. Yes, it was, Mum. And I swear to God, I think that's why I still haven't had kids. I'm so traumatized by it. And I think it's why I've always said my whole life that if I do ever have kids, I'm like doing general anesthetic cesarean section, no question, put me to sleep. I want to wake up with a baby there. I don't want, I want to go through any of that. It's just this book filled with photos of women, faces contorted in pain and like their vaginas just opened wider than what I thought they could open. Yeah, but it was, it was more a baby book, okay? It was what you had to buy for the baby, what equipment you needed. And, do you I, really, and a friend of mine gave it to me. Do you really think if you have a book with those kinds of photos in it, me and Rhiannon were looking at the chapters about buying nappies? Well, that's what the <laughs> book was predominantly about. So there was that It wasn't book. to make you still think about it to this day. I traumatized, do. I'm traumatised by that book. And then when it was around... Well, then you'll go on about the book that Uncle Mark gave me, his medical book. What medical book? That was... That's where the... Um, there was all the photographs of oh. stillborn babies and all those sad things in it. I don't remember that. Yeah, it was a medical No, textbook. I'm talking about the next book that you farmed out to give us sex <clears throat> education, um, Every Girl. 
That was an excellent book. Yeah, but it saved you from having exactly <laughs> conversations. That book freaked me the yeah. f out because that was where I realized that you have to put tampons up into yourself. And I don't know where I thought they went before that, but I didn't realize that I had to put things up inside me, and that scared the shit out of me. Yes, Rosie. That aside, I think that was a very responsible thing for me to do. I was too uncomfortable to do it myself, so I bought a very (laughs) well-known book that was supposed to be excellent and put it on your bed. Right. Yes, okay. You should be grateful. Okay. I suppose I am. And you could peruse it in the privacy of your bedroom. Yeah, but it scared the (laughs) shit out of me. And I was too scared to ask you about it. Didn't you ever read the side of a tampon box? Yeah, I still do. pictures. I got my period when I was 14 and I didn't figure out how to use tampons until I was 17. Took me three years. Yeah. It's really hard. Very tricky, that one. Because you get scared and it's like you just clamp up. Yeah. Like a clam. You just close up shop. You can't get anything in there. Yeah, I couldn't I figure it out. Anyway. Mum's looking at her phone now. I think it's she's not even on. I think she's signaling that she just really wants this to be over. <laughs> uh, uh. This book gets so much worse with all my sex stuff, Mum. So um, you're gonna have to loosen up a bit before then. But that's your experience. It's not mine. Yeah, I know. But we're here on so this you podcast want, you want talking a about the from book. Me. No, I'm just saying you just just prepare yourself. To talk about, about me getting jackhammered. I thought this was about the lies you told. Huh? I thought this is about the lies you told. Or did I tell any lies in that chapter? <laughs> I don't know because it's it's your story, not mine. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we'll leave this one here because you look like you want to just sprint out of the building. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Mum. Okay. <laughs> In the next episode, and you, when you tell me stuff about him, it sounds like he was really horrible. But then when you talk about him dying, you get really upset. It's like, why, why were you upset? Like, well, because I you loved upset? him, Rosanna, that's why. I still don't understand why. I, st- I loved him. It was a long time ago now, and I still, I still wish he hadn't died. Do you? Yeah. What do you think would have become of him, though, if he didn't die then? I can't picture it. I feel like he would have ended up homeless. Yeah, I think he probably would have. I don't think there was much chance for him to tell you the truth. Without his without his father. Without his father looking once, after him. Without a without a roof over his head that his father the family surprised. found their family, like his side of the family found out what happened. They flew grandpa over to Perth and he went to live with them. So dad would have he would have had nowhere to go. Yeah. <laughs> says my memoir is a lie is recorded in the studios of podcast one recording assistance by felix bray audio production by nick slater executive producer is jamie show for more episodes head to podcast1.com.au or download the podcast one app